Hi there. Thank you for listening to Spotless, breaking the boundaries of television. The world of TV and advertising is evolving quickly. The largest content creators, distributors, and brands are all vying for new ways to engage the next generation of viewers. Presented by two media powerhouses, Triple Lift and Advertising Week, Spotless brings you in-depth conversations with the leaders who are driving this evolution. Consumer behaviors of the next two years will decide the winners and losers of the next two decades. Now here's our host, Michael Shields, GM of Advanced Advertising at Triple Lift. In his own words, Justin Killian has been exceptionally fortunate to have made a career out of doing what he loves, building high-performing teams filled with exceptional people, then empowering, challenging, and collaborating with them to do meaningful work throughout the media landscape. Part of that comes from fostering a strong culture, one which allows great people and great work to thrive. Justin has helped drive growth and innovation with some greats like Complex Networks, ITV Studios, Original Productions, and Kaplan Perone Entertainment. He has a proven track record of success in leadership roles, transforming teams and organizations into high performers that deliver growth and increased profitability. In his current role as the General Manager and EVP Content and Operations at Complex Networks, Killian creatively drives content by building bespoke teams with the right capabilities from across the organization, working with these teams to push world-class content to help provide the youth culture with touch points at scale across edit, premium video, live events, merchandise, and social. And along the way, he's been able to chase and obtain a shiny object or two, with several of his projects receiving multiple Emmys, Banff, and Telly Awards. Welcome, Justin. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. We're also joined by Edgar Hernandez, currently serves as Chief Revenue Officer of Complex Networks, where he leads a team of 100 focused on driving new revenue across all media platforms. Under Edgar's leadership, the company has grown its branded and sponsored revenue in key categories of packaged goods, retail, entertainment, footwear, and grooming, looking to reach Complex's influential 18 to 24 and 18 to 34 demographics. Edgar also oversees brand partnerships and sales for ComplexCon, the most influential youth retail and music festival, attracting major brands from fashion, footwear, apparel, spirits, automotive, packaged goods, technology, and fast food. The globally covered event is attended by 60,000 millennials and Gen Z influencers, and the 2DA Festival is considered the center of the music and fashion world. Edgar has been with Complex since 2009, most recently SVP of sales. It's his second term with Complex, the first time in 2005. He was instrumental in building up existing and new businesses across spirits, fashion, grooming, and footwear. Before Complex, Edgar served as publisher of Intermedia Vibe Holdings, LLC. He graduated from UMass Amherst in 2000 with a BA in journalism. Welcome both. Thanks, Michael. Complex Networks has the exact DNA of what a modern entertainment brand should look like. Um, Content creation, distribution, digital, linear events, experiential, and more recently, a booming merchandising business. Give us the history of Complex and how all of this came to be. Great question, Michael. Simple answer. It's us really sticking to what we set out to really do, which was own the conversation in very specific areas. 
And when we thought about Complex as a brand, we knew that we had a very unique place in the marketplace. And that was within music, fashion, sneakers, art, entertainment, gaming, and sports. You often hear Rich Antonello talk on podcasts about the business and how you build out a doc. And we've been really focused in making sure as we build out the brand that we go very deep in the areas that we want to own the conversation. So no matter where the community travels, that they're already familiar with Complex, First We Feast, Pigeons and Planes, Complex Con, uh, and uh, the other brands that we've released out into the marketplace. And so for us, it's being consistent and not chasing any trends that are coming out into the marketplace, but really focused in on creating the best consumer product and service for this audience. And I believe once you are able to do that, and it takes time, that you're then able to take that product and service in any format or any distribution arena and service that audience in the best possible way. And I think Hot Ones is a great example of that, where it's in its 13th season. And everyone says, I want my own version of Hot Ones. <laughs> People don't realize that it took really a number of seasons and a number of years for that show really to pop. Most people don't have that discipline and that focus to continue to build on IP in a community that they truly believe in. And now what we've seen Hot Ones is really a case study for any digital IP and how it could transcend the YouTube environment in both product and both on screens. And so that's really what I believe has led to our ability to do so. So I'd love to dig into that content strategy a little bit more because I think more so than any digital evolving digital media company, Complex has a diversified media strategy and has its inception. So Edgar, you just mentioned all those different platforms. Your content is currently distributed across a variety of platforms. And I, I wanna read them out because I think it's so compelling. Linear, including on Fuse and Viacom, CBS and A&E networks across premium streaming platforms like Netflix and Hulu. Obviously digital, you refer to YouTube, but also your O&O properties. Social, one of the early Snapchat Discover publishers on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, huge presences, and podcasts now in audio on Spotify and Acast, as well as live channels, Twitch, right? And then obviously you have really pioneered both virtual and live events with ComplexCon and now ComplexLand. So, I wonder if you might comment on how you organize yourself cost efficiently to create content for so many screens. When we think about content, we really think about it holistically and from a 360 degree point of view. We try to create and ideate concepts that have the ability to travel. And the most important thing is whatever concept we're working on is true to the brand uh, under which it lives. So whether it's, you know, Soul Collector or Complex, First We Feast or Pigeons and Planes. Um, but when we're creating content, we often shoot more than we might necessarily need for what would be the O&O show for the YouTube show. So that then we can package it together into a 22 minute episode to be able to distribute um, onto a linear channel. Uh, we also have a very, very strong promo team and we create uh, the social cuts from inception. So we know what those potentially moments that could have uh, viral, you know, be, be viral sensations. We, we content ideate that from the start rather just 
making a show and then trying to find those social moments that we could pull out. Um, on the premium side, we're always ideating derivatives of our successful owned and operated shows so that we can retain more of the IP um, when we go to those linear networks or go to those premium streamers so that we have a foot to stand on because these days, most streamers want to own not just the tape rights, but also the underlying IP. However, if that IP is already a proven track record or a proven product, which we're monetizing elsewhere, it gives us a much stronger foot to stand on to be able to retain those rights later because they can't prohibit our ability to make money in an area where we're presently making money just because they want to see some of the rewards of a format or a concept that we've ideated and created elsewhere. Um, so that's really been like the key, I think, to everything. I mean, I think of content kind of as the engine that drives uh, complex and then sales being the fuel that allows the content to actually exist in the first place because without the fuel, the engine just can't run. Um, but together, they work very well together. It's a unique proposition. I love that the notion of how content and sales work together. Edgar, I want to turn to you to talk about when you're designing these programs, right, that live across so many different platforms, sales packaging can be complex, right? The measurement across all these different platforms, I'm sure advertising clients are asking you about, how do you put that package together and, and bring that to market to the advertising community? Yeah, it's been an evolution over time. And I think we've shown a tremendous amount of agility. It's one sales team going out there in market, unified together with other groups within the company that are helping to either strategize, develop, ideate, as well as outline specifically how we deliver against all these different platforms. And so for us, when we moved from being a print publication into the digital space back in 2007, we always knew that we were gonna to have to move quickly to where the audience was. And so this isn't an overnight thing that we now have figured out how to adapt ourselves to different platforms and planning uh, approaches. And so as we evolve the brands into different platforms, we've just worked closely with those platforms to make sure that we had the proper measurement tools in place and proactively communicated to the clients exactly how we were going to determine success based off of those. And we've been able to do that quite successfully. I want to seize on one of those platforms in particular, Edgar. So YouTube has been a key contributor to Complex's success over the years. Um, a lot of publishers tell us that YouTube is a great platform for brand building, sometimes can be difficult for building a business. You've been at the ground level of helping to understand how all these platforms work and driving content and, and one of the early content drivers on all these platforms. Are you satisfied big picture with the monetization opportunities on YouTube? Look, I don't think you're ever satisfied with monetization on someone else's platform. Fair enough. And unless it's your own and operated, you know, that is the best bet. Uh, but YouTube has been a, a great strategic partner for us for many years and helping, helping us stand up complex news at first and really building a community there. And obviously hosting a number of our shows since then, probably well over a hundred over the course of time. But our idea of how we built our business wasn't self-reliant on one single platform. And that's what we've seen over time is that brands build off one platform exclusively. And then when the algorithm changes or the rules change, 
then it becomes very detrimental to your business. And often cases you see those businesses completely go away. What we have built and what I was trying to really stress at the beginning is a commitment to the community best serving them by giving them best content and experiences. And so that can live on multiple platforms and does both in digital and IRL. And so that's how we think about the monetization standpoint versus fully fo solely focused on one. I love the idea of really understanding and super serving the community. Justin, I want to go back to you and go back to this notion of how in the writer's room, you're ideating development of content for multiple platforms and yep. maybe walk us through like a recent project um, to help us understand like how you really understand virality and how you program for that eventuality. Sure. Um, you know, I think there's a couple of good examples of that. Um, let's look at our content kind of holistically in general, right? We have a very, very strong and large editorial um, foothold on the sneaker community. And on a daily basis, we're putting out a large variety of sneaker content on the dot-com. Um, that has allowed us to create a book um, with Abrams, which we're going to be releasing later this month, which is uh, selling really, really well pre-orders on Amazon presently, which that authority on sneakers built through the editorial and then built through O&O video products like full-size run and sneaker shopping with Joe LaPuma allowed us to be the authority for something uh, like Sneakerheads, which is a Netflix show that premieres later this month. Um, because we are looking at sneakers as a vertical that we own and that we own deep, we're able to take content in the sneaker space be seen as the authority to different book publishers and third-party streamers, which allows us to create products that other people might be on the marketplace pitching, but because we have the, the history of hitting on the best sneakers in each individual year, um, and we have a back catalog of all this different sneaker content that we did from an editorial point of view, it really differentiates us from someone else who might be out there pitching something in the scripted sneaker space. Um, so when we were ideating and, and working through the scripts with Jay Longino, who is the, the writer creator, and Indy Clemens on uh, Sneakerheads, we were able to lend real credibility, feature the appropriate types of sneakers and tell authentic stories and put the right types of celebrity, celebrities who are very relevant to our, to our audience, um, but might not necessarily be the type of people that just an everyday normal Hollywood producer would put into something, right? Like when you watch Sneakerheads, you're gonna see um, people that are from the sneaker culture that everyday ordinary people who aren't tied to it probably won't know who they are. You know, like Nigel Sylvester will make an appearance. John Buscemi will make an appearance. And those are the type of things that lend real, I think, credible credibility and authenticity to our projects um, and differentiate us. And is the reason why places like Netflix or uh, Fuse or, you know, Hulu, any one of these uh, third-party platforms, Snap is a great partner of ours. Snap Originals, excellent. Um, are interested in working with us because we lend that that true credibility and it, and it ups the ante and ups the uh, quality of the content that we're putting out there. 
You uh, talk about this credibility being established by the intimacy, the closeness with the community, as well as supporting celebrity culture around that community. Does data play a role? Are there like data points and trends that you're monitoring uh, that help fuel as one of the inputs? There are. We have a robust business intelligence department and on a weekly basis, actually even on a daily basis, but on a weekly basis, I get a report uh, and we go through the different shows on our O&O and we try to find ways to optimize them. Um, we use it as a way to look at total run times. We do it for podcasts as well. We do it for pretty much all of our content. Um, but we, we, we look at it as a way to optimize. We don't really use it as much to try to discover who's going to be next or who we should be putting on or who we should be co-signing uh, as much as we use that. That's much more of like a, an instinctual thing that our audience, I'm sorry, our, our staff is very in touch with on a daily basis. I mean, there's definitely insights that we can gain uh, by saying, oh, little TJ will definitely perform on sneaker shopping because of X, Y, and Z. And we get that information from uh, our business intelligence department that does a great job with it. But with respect to identifying new up and coming talent that they're probably not even necessarily on that radar yet. That's much more gut instinct of our uh, staff. And that comes into just, I think, identifying the right people and making the right hires. Uh, even just today, we brought in a, a new editor in chief um, and that's somebody that is, has been at the company before, uh, has been at several other, you know, digital publishers, um, and just really gets the zeitgeist. He's really strong on social. And, uh, I think he's going to be a great add to the team. His name is, uh, Maurice Peebles. Excellent. Congratulations. Um, let's get into the detail of that a little bit more, if we could go one level below, because What's fascinating on so many levels about Complex is, you know, we think about some of the media brands of our youth like MTV and whatnot that used to be arbiters of cool. Complex has, since its inception, been an arbiter of cool. And not everyone is cool, right? This isn't something that we don't often get to ask the guests on the show. But really, how you help to, like, first of all, what your definition of cool is, and then how do you maintain it in the culture of the organization? You know, it's, it's funny when people ask me what complex is and that's kind of what I lean on. I kind of just say it's, it's, it's cool. It's what the kids are doing in a lame way of saying it, but in a larger sense, it's kind of what's next. And I think about, I think what to me, what being cool is, is knowing about something before everybody else does. That's an of, of a high quality. Right. Um, and I feel like that's what we've been really strong at delivering over the years. And I think it, dials all the way back to the early days of the magazine and us being convergence culture, right? You look at, um, keep me honest here, Edgar, I believe our first cover was Nas and, and Uncle Junior, right? From Sopranos. Is that the original yeah, one? That's right. I think that's a perfect example, right? I think at that time, our audience probably wasn't watching Sopranos. It was a new show. And what that cover I think did was take an iconic hip hop star and put that and, and partner him with someone from a hit show that our audience should be watching that if our audience did watch, they would love, but they might not yet have heard of. Right. And it's crazy to think, Oh, they hadn't heard of Sopranos, but at the time that that came out, it's not like Sopranos was what Sopranos is today. Um, we've done that throughout our entire history. We did that uh, with Travis Barker and little Wayne. I mean, we, we did that with, you know, um, Seth Rogen, we did it. We've done it with so many people. Even recently, when we put 
Bieber, not that recently, but you know, keep in mind, it's obvious that, oh, you had Bieber on the cover of a complex magazine. That seems, that makes sense. But at the time that we did it, it was before, what do you mean? It was before he was collaborating with the types of artists that he's collaborating with now. We put him on our cover. It's a risk and it's about us taking risks and us co-signing and, and our, our staff recognizing and seeing these people are going to be the next thing on it. Even though Justin Bieber was at the time a big star for 12 and 13 year old girls, that was our staff saying, no, this guy is going to be a massive star across all genres of music and it's going to happen in the next 12 to 18 months. And it did, you know, Complex was the first magazine to give uh, Kim Kardashian a cover. We're, we're, we're early and we're, we're, um, we co-sign these people before they have these really large successes. And I think that is a real value add that we bring to the table. For sure. And it establishes complex is the authority for brands. When Edgar, you go out to market and you go out and talk to advertisers who obviously always want to attach themselves to cool. Um, how do you explain it to the advertising community? How do you like be the voice of authority to brands on cool? Yeah. Just to add on to Justin's point, I don't think we have to work very hard at staying ahead of what's next because you have to think about the psychology of the communities that we're representing. And if that is music, if that's fashion, if that's sneakers, there's an inherent mentality of finding what's next, which is inherently built within the company that is always driving them to discover the next artist, to cop the next drop, to understand where the street, where culture is going. And so I think it's made it very natural and fluid for us over the last 20 years. You don't see many brands really be a pinnacle brand for over 10 years. So I think it's really important to note that we're nearly on 20 years of this. And to answer your question, Michael, it's been a lot of phases because I could tell you when I was here at Complex in 2004 and 2005 and said convergence culture to the marketplace, they had no idea that this world existed. And oftentimes, really, a lot of the big corporate entities that are now are starting to understand the impact of streetwear. You know, Virgil Abloh going to Louis Vuitton. I mean, the amount of times that I heard that in 12 months by young individuals and my parents' friends as a connection point really kind of led to me understanding how big streetwear has gotten. Uh, so we've really come a long way, but we always had this belief that the world was coming our way because we saw early on that young people weren't consuming content traditionally, which was in very much isolation. You're a gamer, that's all you do 24 hours a game, a day. You're into hip hop, that's the only type of music that you listen to. You only buy you know, a couple pairs of shoes a year. We saw the whole world changing in front of us. And so it really started with the endemic partners that really got that, and that was their core consumer. But as we evolved, we've really had to translate it to more people to understand the impact. And not only understand the impact, is how can they get involved in a way that is meaningful and uplifts the community versus trying to take advantage of it. And so we've done that by showcasing our successes. If you look at the things that we've done in the marketplace that have proven numbers against them and showcasing how partners do it in a very credible way so that they can try to work with us in a very similar capacity. But I would say data most recently 
has probably been the biggest driver for us in really contextualizing the magnitude and importance of this audience, not only to credibility, but also the impact of driving sales or driving uh, a relationship with that brand. And so we launched an initiative, uh, it's probably been over a year now called Complex Collective, and it's our own first party data offering. And what we wanted to do is we wanted to take what Justin and his team do from being on the ground level and identifying trends and match that with the data that we were seeing, as well as tap into a pool of 30,000 people who are willing to work with brands and then take that information and help brands really shape not what they were doing right now, but thinking much longer term of, hey, if I want to work in tandem with Complex and really build a relationship with this audience, this is the best way to do so. So tools like Complex Collective can really help brands almost like peek around the corner to see what's coming next and figure out how to align with it. Um, we'd, be right. we'd be remiss at this point if we didn't talk for a little bit about the impact of our current situation right now, that we're not sitting in person in the same room recording this, um, and the, really the impact of COVID-19 on, on, on the business as a whole. But utilizing tools like uh, Complex Collective, right? Are there ways, are there things that you're seeing right now, um, new trends due to the coronavirus that um, are really helping informing your future relationship with brands? Yeah, so a couple of things that we saw early on that we saw the headlines and we started to believe were the realities of all. And, you know, obviously we've now been in multiple phases of COVID and that first phase there was this belief specifically by brands of young consumers aren't interested in entertainment content right now as much as they were pre-COVID. Everyone's focused on the news. People don't want to hear from brands right now uh, specifically and to take a pause. And that consumers weren't buying anything outside of what they needed to survive. And so while we were in Q2 and we had a number of partnerships off the ground, instead of trying to convince them by saying, hey, we believe opposite, we tapped into collective elite immediately in that pool of 30,000 people to survey them and to say, what do you, what's impacting you right now about COVID? What are you most worried about? Where do you feel you stand with mental health and what's helping right now? What are you watching? And what are you buying? And what we found was really quite opposite from what we were hearing in the press and all the articles that were being written about generalization of just people. And so we took that out to the marketplace and really worked hand in hand with a lot of clients to help inform what we were saying. And that didn't always mean that that moved them to go ahead and move forward with the partnership. But in a lot of cases it did. And brands said, okay, we're seeing that. And a lot of different brands saw a massive increase in spike but what kind of content were they engaging with? And a clear example of that and the successes and what we were able to do with partners was our video sponsorships. Our video sponsorships in Q2 were up double digit versus the year prior because we were able to showcase the content that Justin and his team were producing was exactly what the audience was looking for at that moment in time. Outstanding. So I wonder, Justin, if you might comment a little bit about your perspective on the, the impacts of the coronavirus, despite the setbacks that we've all experienced, 
Complex has really been able to continue releasing premium content that audiences love. So first of all, congratulations on that. What was your kind of strategy? How did you respond in the spring uh, from a production and content operations perspective? Well, thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. Um, the whole team, uh, all, all, all parts of the company came together for that. We were pretty proactive on getting ahead of it the best that we could. So when we saw that an issue was coming about, we tried to film as many episodes in the field um, before the virus really started to impact the United States and then put those episodes in the can, so to speak, so that we'd have a bit of a runway, um, which would allow us the time or afford us the time to be able to create the plan that we would need on a go forward basis were this to last as long as it has. So we took those banked episodes and continue to roll them out on a regularly scheduled programming um, plan. And concurrently, um, all the members of uh, the executive team got together and talked about how we can operationalize a way for us to be able to continue to ideate, create and produce and distribute content remotely. And what that really involved was um, purchasing quite a bit of gear and shipping it to our staff's houses, um, testing everything, upgrading some people's Wi-Fi to ensure that there wouldn't be any hiccups, whether it would be on downloading or uploading or live streaming. Um, and then really reformatting and looking a bit differently at how we're producing some of our content. And I think there's been innovation that has come across from every member of every team for that matter. Um, we've even been able to create some original content that were derivatives such as sneaker battles um, which is a derivative of Life of Complex, which has done quite well. And it's a new video product and Edgar is even able to uh, generate some sales against, uh, which I think is pretty remarkable. Um, and in addition to that, we've been able to, at this point, produce shows to a certain extent that don't necessarily feel like they were even made in a remote fashion. We did a derivative of sneaker shopping called Sneaker Stories and the way that our DPs were able to set up the shots in that, it feels as if Joe LaPuma is in the same room with the guests that he's interviewing. So really it was about banking enough episodes to give us the time that we needed to ideate, create and operationalize what we needed to be able to keep things flowing. And then the content team just did it, in my opinion, you know, um, a really strong job of coming up with new innovative whether it be social series or YouTube series that we can move forward and distribute. And that was across all brands, you know, everything from fridge tours uh, to the in crowd to, um, you know, things like sneaker battles. It's a great strategy. The evolution really has been uh, apparent. I think it was the September 10th episode that you just did of, of hot ones with uh, Victor Cruz and Karuchi Tran, Thank right? You. Where it, it almost seemed like, um, the host was in the same room and back and forth. And obviously the format of having like a couple in the same room really kind of lended itself to the, to the hot ones format. So clearly um, you guys have been thinking about that successfully. Congratulations. What challenges are you thinking about next? What are the things that you haven't figured out yet during this time? I would say internally, I feel like we have it pretty, pretty well solved for the time being. Um, with the way that we've been able to shoot things like the like the episode you just referenced, I think that allows us to be able to have uh, a long tail distribution plan and strategy for episodes like that. 
Um, I think the more Zoom content you have, probably the harder it is to license long-term. Um, but I think if we're able to do things like we, like we did uh, with that and with sneaker stories, uh, I think those things will be able to be licensed in the long run. Um, I view a lot of our development on premium right now to be shows that are more VO driven and clip based. We just launched a new show last weekend, um, season two of something called versus the world, which is a snap original where, in which we feature Conor McGregor. Um, we did a season one with uh, six, nine with Takashi six, nine. And I think shows like that, we're able to still execute and there isn't any issue with respect to whether or not it was shot remotely uh, or whether or not we were in the field for it. Um, but a long-term premium sale and production of shows that are field intensive is more challenging now than it was before. We are back in the field shooting shows in the field. It's just a bit more challenging than it normally is given the amount of people you're able to have on location or are, or on set. So that's probably the largest uh, challenge that I'm seeing right now outside of, of course, just keeping everybody safe and keeping of everybody, course, yeah. which is, I hope goes without saying like truly is the, the utmost importance and the top priority for us. Edgar, what about when it comes to the development of branded content? Complex has been one of the pioneers in really aligning its go-to-market around creating really great branded content as the trusted authority in um, a lot of uh, uh, spaces in regards to youth culture. Um, what impact is this period having on the development of branded content? Um, and how much are you like kind of shifting and talking about capabilities with brands? That's a great question. And obviously it's had an impact and one that we responded to very quickly and understanding from a branded content perspective, what based on work from home and all the safety measures could we create from branded content? And there was some quick things that we put in place. One was that social branded content that was more graphic driven was an opportunity for us to lean in on heavier. In addition, there was an opportunity for us to execute some of the branded content pieces with talent in isolation from their home that would really serve the purpose. One of the things that I think is really important too that I heard from brands was this idea of production value and how that impacts viewership. And what we recognized right away was that production value doesn't mean anything in the consumer's eyes as long as it's quality content and it tells something that's meaningful. And so informing clients through research that that was the case and that we were seeing it in real time based off of what Justin and his team were creating were extremely valuable to get clients to try new things. And what I've said is this brought our organization together as a front in working with clients more closely because we had for the first time real-time response to things that were about to go live or going live in you know, six to eight weeks that we had to come together and say, okay, well, how do we figure this out in a way that keeps the story whole and doesn't jeopardize the execution? And so we've been able to navigate that quite well. And the other thing I would mention is going back to my point about video sponsorships, it's very funny. And I've been telling people video sponsorship is not a dirty word. It's actually a very powerful tool, especially when you look at some of the cubes of some of our shows, like Hot Ones and Secret Shop. Hot Ones on average did over 10 million video views per episode last year. Tell me when you're going to get 
such a high concentrated group in a premium environment with some of the biggest talent in the world. Now, we were able to do video sponsorships and then branded content off of those. So not only does the brand show up organically within the episode, but then we're using, in some cases, Sean Evans to do branded content social pieces. We did a great uh, execution with Google in the past. Uh, we had a partnership with Kingford and the Burger Show where we use the host Alvin to actually showcase how you could use Kingford to barbecue from home. And so we've just had to adapt and figure out how we can continue to execute. And uh, the team has been really good at uh, walking clients through the research as well as the creative. And then the production team has been fantastic of how then you execute. Last year, Edgar, you did a show called Get It Together that was fully funded by Toyota um, and really serves kind of almost like as the pinnacle of this model. Um, do you see more uh, programs like that rolling out in the next 12 to 18 months or so? Yeah, this is a concerted strategy, by the way. And so uh, we've had, I would say, tremendous amount of success in partnering with brands and branded entertainment. And really, if you look at branded content as one-off pieces, in my opinion, that does not make the real impact with the audience that it needs to and which a brand wants to. And so what we started to think about is how do we leverage our development of IP that is based off of what Justin's team is seeing in the marketplace plus the research and create new to world franchises that we can take that are long form, that are on YouTube, that help create real IP based on a need of the audience. And in the case of Get It Together, what we recognized was that there was not enough women-led programming in streetwear, in, in the entrepreneur, entrepreneur uh, realm. And so that was really our idea to create that show. Now, that was in partnership with Toyota Corolla and it wasn't just about creating that, but was how do I add value back to the community? So number one, we got Toyota Corolla as part of that, a front row seat to Virgil Abloh's show at Louis Vuitton. We partnered up with someone who has the credibility that allows us to travel in places that Toyota has never been with an audience of hand raisers that are there that are in market to buy a vehicle. In addition, we brought that narrative to ComplexCon, where Toyota did meet and greets with Alele Meg, which set up an hour-long wait for people to meet someone that they admire, and were able to go ahead and chop it up with them and ask her questions about how she got her start, how she was able to do great brand collaborations. And so I think that was a real win for Toyota in the spirit of the partnership, but we've done that probably 10 to 15 different times in the past 12 months. And that was us saying, how do we think about these partnerships differently than what the rest of the marketplace is doing that we also don't believe is all as effective as it could be. The spectacular program and one that again, lends itself to that kind of model where you're creating content for all screens. Um, recently you've signaled on the content side perhaps a little bit more of a focus on television type content on OTT environments. Um, recently, there've been a few announcements uh, that kind of signal this evolution, notably, right? Hot Ones itself is now 
a show under uh, Warner Media's True TV. Um, Sneakerheads picked up by Netflix. Um, Daily hip hop music and culture new show on Quibi. Um, what are how does Complex view the the evolution of the streaming wars um, and working with these different platforms to develop content unique to the platforms? Yeah, uh, sure, I can take that. Um, I think ultimately it's all about an alignment of vision and creative narrative. Um, you know, with Sneakerheads, we found ourselves with a great partner with Netflix. Um, you know, with Snap Originals, which I mentioned earlier, they've spent a fantastic par partner uh, throughout the entire process where they're really, we're now in, in, uh, in the season two that just launched, but we are uh, very close to be doing another season with them as well, um, covering a different topic. Um, and we are uh, talking with Spotify as well, about some additional uh, podcasts in addition to the successful series we have with them uh, called Infamous. And when we work with those partners, they really do defer to us um, creatively with respect to the topics and the people that we're going to be covering. Um, so for us, we look at it as, as broadly distributed as we can possibly be, it opens us up for the opportunity to tell stories and reach an audience that we might not otherwise be able to tell or reach. So, and also, I mean, the reality is they, they often come in and, and deficit finance it for us, which is fantastic and allows us to produce more content than we normally would. Um, you, know, you, you mentioned the Quibi project there, which we did have uh, a pilot with Quibi. Uh, we did a pilot uh, with them for a music show uh, that we pitched them. And we went off and we, we shot this pilot with, with Roddy Rich, um, speaking to what was coming up next, this was uh, a while back before Roddy Rich was really Roddy Rich before he had four weeks of the billboard, uh, number one. Uh, and the feedback we got from the pilot was that they, they really liked the pilot, but they, uh, Jeffrey didn't know who Roddy was. Um, so they went back and wanted us to revise that pilot, which we, which we ended up doing and in working, uh, and featuring some artists that we weren't as excited about. And what we did ultimately in that situation was pass on the series order, um, because creatively we weren't aligned with what they were looking to do. Um, which I think is a really bold thing and speaks to our commitment to our brand and our authenticity. Uh, I was somewhat dreading that conversation with Rich where I had to reach our CEO or I had to say, Hey, look, we have the series order from Quibi, but I don't know that we're creatively aligned. And I don't know that they're going to want to focus on the artists that our audience cares most about. Uh, and he was very much uh, backed up what my point of view, which was, was if it's not authentic to what our audience wants, we can't just put the complex name on it, even if it drives revenue. So it's really about the alignment with uh, the networks and the, and the streaming partners that, you know, are simpatico with us. I know that's that that must be a little bit frustrating on some level, but thank you very much for sharing that. That really does speak to the power of the complex brand and the the authority you guys have as an arbiter of culture. Um, as part of our commitment to raising awareness on issues of social justice, we've asked all of our guests to comment with their own views or, or representing their institutions and industry on what we can do to ensure advocacy for social justice is kept fresh and loud. Um, Edgar, are there particular things that Complex is doing that you'd like to highlight in support of the Black Lives Matter movement? Yeah, absolutely. 
like many other organizations and people listening to this podcast, this has been a defining year and how we all respond at this moment in time, especially for a brand like us. It's not about catching up to where a lot of organizations are catching up, but really what our leadership position is going forward. And so we've had some very honest conversations as an organization of where we've done well and where we've fallen short. We had an open forum where we took down notes from all the staff of the things that they would like to see Complex do in the world, both internally and externally. And that led to a 14 point plan that is currently in motion and really falling into three different buckets. Number one, that's cultivate. How do we cultivate our people and give them the tools to really find success within the organization and outside the organization in their lifetime? And so one example of that that just launched recently is a mentorship program that didn't currently exist at Complex Networks that has fully launched to pair individuals that are early in their careers with more senior folks to help them navigate uh, the next couple of years or the remaining of their careers and how uh, they can best succeed. The other is to invest. And that is to really think about whether it's uh, our programming, our talent, our initiatives and collaborations with outside partners, helping small businesses own by uh, BIPOC individuals and women to leverage resources from complex to help their businesses grow. These are things that are currently in motion right now and will continue to be rolled out uh, early parts of next year. And last is to finance. How do we leverage uh, the opportunity to put uh, money into the organizations who are making an impact on every day. And that's leveraging our biggest IP like hot ones and making sure that we're making a real commitment there. And so I would say we're in an early journey here uh, of something that has to be done urgently and be loud, not just today and tomorrow, uh, but for the years to come. I just, interestingly enough, we do have a book club at Complex uh, and we just finished last night and we read the book by James Baldwin, The Fire Next Time. F phenomenal book, very easy read. I would recommend it. It's 106 pages, but you would think that that book was written today. And that's a very sad fact in what he's messaging. And so my message to any listeners, if you think you're doing enough, you're not. Uh, and that goes for us as well as we continue to push forward and make sure that we take this moment in time and do everything that we possibly can. Spectacular. Thanks for your leadership and thanks to the, to, to the whole complex team uh, for leading on that front. There have been a lot of different industry leaders that have inspired me during this time. Um, Justin, are there responses from, from some of our industry colleagues that you'd like to, to amplify that have served as a, a point of inspiration uh, potentially for you and, and could be for our audience during this time? Sure. Um, you know, I think it's, it's just, it's, it's in vogue and it's trendy for, for, corporations to be socially woke right now right and um i i just i hope there's more sincerity than there has been in the past right and i know that at complex there certainly is i think edgar just did an extremely excellent job of laying out what it is we're doing and and how serious we really are about it um there are companies out there and you might not necessarily think of this company immediately or maybe you didn't but like there are socially conscious companies ben and jerry's has been doing this for you know their entire existence 
uh, with sincerity behind their cause and not just when it's important. I'm not just, it's always been important. Sorry. Not just when it's uh, trendy or, 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 or in the zeitgeist. Um, so I, I think companies like that, I think more recently we've seen uh, some companies that know that they have work to do like, like Patagonia, but, but is, but are aggressively doing things. Um, I think if companies presently aren't do aren't doing the right things, they're not going to survive. I think every employee at every level these days has an expectation of social responsibility from their employer. And I think if the arrogance of management is to sweep that under the rug or try to silence it, they're not going to be long for this world. It's just, that's not how anywhere can operate any longer. It's too important. These, these issues affect every single person in the United States. Um, and it's time for it to truly get fixed. And we're, we're trying to do the best that we can to, to resolve our own issues um, and just make, make the entire workplace a better place for everyone. Well said, Justin. And, and thanks again to the broader team at Complex for their continued work um, uh, on these issues. One of the things that I want to shift gears a little bit to, to focus on are events, right? So Complex is a brand that truly helped shape and define culture for 20 years now. Right. If there's if there's one event that has broken through the zeitgeist and attracted audiences from all backgrounds and brands, large and small, it's ComplexCom. Um, what can we expect from the future of ComplexCom? So, at the end of last year, in 2019, we regrouped after an extremely ambitious year of doing two complex cons. One in Chicago for the first time and then in Long Beach. And we had a tremendous amount of positive feedback and continue to grow the complex con brand across the US and across the globe. And we did a next front at complex con Long Beach and announced global expansion plans in the coming years. And obviously a lot of that has been on pause now given COVID. Uh, but in 2020, we were going to return to one show in Long Beach because we wanted to take the time to do a full deep dive into what Complex Con's position was going to be for the next five years. And for us, it really, while we had a lot of success and we can continue on the way we were going, that hasn't been what has maintained the community being interested in our products and services. And so, unfortunately, that now gets delayed another year with COVID. And so, the expectation is that ComplexCon will return in Long Beach the following year. In the meantime, what we started to think about is, well, if this community is still seeking that connection, they're still seeking community, they're still seeking the opportunities to network with each other, what is the next frontier of that? And interestingly enough, we started to see a lot happening in the gaming space in this idea of open metaverse. And this was the height of Zoom too. We were like, everyone was doing Zooms, everyone's coming out with a conference and we're just like, that's not it for us. Uh, that is not the evolution of this. And so the team did a phen phenomenal job of thinking about what is a 3D animated open world experience look like for the complex world, especially at a very important time where we could potentially create what we want the world to look like. And that's where we landed in developing complex land, which will be coming out December 7th through 11th. 
It will be a free experience, our first truly global experience that will be housed on desktop and mobile. And I believe it will really be the future of how our audience looks to buy product, engage with talent, listen to music, and experience a lot of things that is that convergence culture. And so we're very excited by the proposition. You know, ComplexCon was the largest direct-to-consumer lifestyle festival here in the U.S. for the last five years, hands down, maybe globally. And now what we aim to do with Complex Land is to create the largest direct-to-avatar global experience. And this is our first phase of doing that. Well, we look forward to future complex cons, but I think, um, you know, it's in the right hands for you guys really to evolve what the virtual event space looks like. Um, uh, so can't wait to see uh, complex land. Um, Justin, Edgar, thank you so much for being on Spotless. We really appreciate all the insights you've been able to give us about the evolution of the industry. Thanks for having us, Michael. Really appreciate your time and thanks for the insightful questions. Thank you for listening to Spotless. Be sure to subscribe and come back soon for another conversation about the future of television. For more information, you can connect with us anytime at spotless at triplelift.com. Spotless.